0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. We're really privileged here this morning from Jesus. I mean, Matt (coughs) Lansdowne. Many of us have been blessed to have had him here for the last, I think this is the third year in a row we've had you. Um, And every time Matt has come um, there's been aspects of his faith and his relationship with God that's really been imparted throughout a whole church and, and for those who have visited. So I really encourage you, as he shares this morning, um, just know that he's, he's 100% genuine. He's one of the most approachable and authentic men you'll ever meet, but he also lives um, with the standard of heaven surrounding him. And um, his testimonies are just amazing, but as you open your heart to receive from him, you also posture yourself to see what's, see the fruit in his life manifest in your life. So would you just stand to your feet with me and welcome Matt Lansdowne.
1: Gracias. Wow. Wow, you guys are looking amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, just turn to the person next to you and say, you look beautiful today. And now give them a high five and say, thank you. Awesome, awesome. Well, Christchurch is, uh, I mean, I love the prophetic sign of walking in the door and the daffodils being on on the counter and spring has come early. There's an early change of season. And uh, I love surprises, and I feel like that's prophetic because I feel like uh, we're we're actually, as as the body of Christ, we're in a change of season right now. And and the change of season is coming before you expect it. It's coming before you expect it. It's like, um, I don't know how many of you are parents here. I have three beautiful daughters. My wife has given birth three times. And um, I have no idea what that feels like but uh and I don't want to have any idea of what that feels like, but uh, I have uh, compassion and empathy for my wife and watching her go through that that's amazing. but you know um, uh, I think all of our kids came late actually, but I know people who have had babies who have come early, and that's been a surprise and um I just want you to know that potentially the thing that you 're dreaming into and the thing that you're pregnant with in the Lord is um coming early before you expect it and so just be prepared for that um, I've got something I want to share but I just first of all want to say thanks for having me you guys are amazing this is like Josh said my third time here and uh, um, I have the honor of of being able to travel to lots of different places and share the good news and and just break off little pieces of my life to share with different people all over the world and uh, and this is, this is one of the places that I was most excited to come to this year because I just love hanging out with Gideon and Catherine. I love hanging out with you guys. And I love the time in between sessions where I'm just out there and bumping into different ones of you and, and, uh, and also just watching you interact with one another. And um, you guys are an amazing community here. I also love walking through your city. And for the last, this, like I said, third year here and watching how much it changes every time. And to, and to just take note that this city is a prophetic illustration of reformation in the church worldwide. You're a city of reformation, and God is reforming His church. And the church is going to look completely different to what it did last year, or what it did last season. And um, just like your city, every time I come back, it just looks completely different. And, uh, and this time I notice it just feels like there's more life in the city. This feels like there's more life. And um, that just excites me. So uh, it's an honor to be here. And uh, my wife says hi. Renee, she says hi. And my kids, I think they said hi. Um, Let's pretend they did anyway. They say hi. And uh, Andy did awesome. I just want to kind of go off the back of what Andy was sharing. And I had a, a text message. I was kind of wondering about what to share. And I had a text message, um, and my friend said, he, he just said to me, I declare over you the funders and delightnings of heaven. I'm allowed to say those kind of jokes because I'm a dad, so it's like kind of a dad joke. It's kind of a lame joke, in other words. But, um, but the funders and the delightnings of heaven, and I, and I felt just a weight on that. I feel like God wants to release the funders and delightnings of heaven this morning and he wants to release fun and delight and I, I just believe there's a key in the room that he wants to actually unlock you to enjoy him on a wider spectrum and a deeper spectrum to to learn to enjoy him in more of your life and to learn to enjoy him in a deeper way and so I want to speak into that and uh and we'll just see what happens in Um, it's going to be super fun, but I was in, I I think I've probably shared this story before because it it is, it is a cool story and it was a marker moment for me. So, um, I like to share stories of beginning points. In other words, stories of where something was birthed on the inside of me that changed my life. And there's so many stories to share, but those stories have impartation. And, uh, so I was in Nebraska and have you guys heard the Nebraska story? I can't believe I haven't shared that. Maybe as I start sharing it, you'll recognize it. But I was in Nebraska, and this was, this was probably nine years ago now, so it's not a recent story. But I was in Nebraska, and uh, we were at this cowboy church. And I'm talking like a real cowboy church. Like I'm talking the guy who I was staying with. I've forgotten his name now. But only a year before I came was the first time he had bought a car. Because for his whole life before that, all he had owned is a horse. And he literally would ride his horse from his farm to the to the bar, to the pub, and like tie his horse up at the post outside the pub and go to the pub. And and then ride his horse back home. Like I'm talking like and a cowboy hat with cowboy boots and spurs, you know, like a real life cowboy. At breakfast time, he made eggs. And, uh, you know, cowboy eggs. And he was like, do you want some chili? And I was like, yeah, I like a little bit of chili. And so he put chili on his first, which I suppose is a cowboy thing to do. And he, you literally, I'm not even exaggerating this, you couldn't see the toast or the eggs. (laughs) The chili flakes were so piled up that you literally, honestly could not see the toast or the eggs. And then he passed me the chili and I felt inferior. I felt like, I felt like, oh man, way to belittle me, man. I'm, I'm not as cool as you. I, I I'm just gonna have a few. Is it okay if I just have a few sprinkles? And he kind of gave me this funny look, and I thought, okay, cool, I'll just eat my eggs over here. And um, anyway, the first, um, the first uh, meeting we did in this little cowboy town, uh, walked in, and as we walk in the foyer, this. Lady runs up, and she's, she's boiling her eyes out, and she's got this um, dog and this puppy, and this puppy has, um, has actually died, and it's her, like, pride and joy. She, uh, you know, she's a, she's a pet lady. She loves her dogs, and, and her dog has died, and it's so dead that it's cold, so it hasn't just died. It's cold, and it's in rigor mortis, which means it's stiff. It's, like, unbendable. So, you know, the tail is sticking out straight. It looks like it's been electrocuted, you know. The, the tail is sticking out straight. If it's sleeping, that's a weird way to sleep. And, um, and it was pretty dead. And uh, so we just thought, well, you know, praise the Lord. Let's just, um, let's just pray and see what happens. So we started to pray. And I had my hand over the dog's face. And my other friend had a dog the hand on the dog's, like, butt and tail. And, um, and we start to pray and no kind of like major feeling of the anointing or anything, but I just felt this tongue just on, on my hand and the dog warmed up and and just raised from the dead. So that was in the foyer. That was awesome. And um, I love that. I mean, I teach my kids, by the way, to raise the dead by practicing on bugs. Because we don't see dead people every day, you know. I, I haven't seen that many dead people, but I've seen lots of dead bugs. I kill lots of bugs. I am a murderer of insects. And um, and then I'll get my kids, and they're, they're like uh, animal activists, you know. My kids probably are going to work for the SPCA or Greenpeace or something in the future, but they love animals. And I love animals too, just not bugs. And... um. But I'll get them to pray for the bugs, and they they pray for them, and sometimes they don't come back, but sometimes they actually come back from the dead. They come back to life, and um, you might say, well, they might have just been stunned, Matt. Maybe, but some of them definitely not. Some of them that was not stunned. That was that was definitely dead, decapitated, and um, and so I teach teach my kids to raise the dead. I mean, practice on animals. That's a side note for free. Um, Anyway, so that was in the foyer in Nebraska. And then we walked into the meeting and uh, the associate leader had invited us to come and minister. But the senior leader was very suspicious. He said, listen, those guys can come if you want them to, talking to the associate leader. Those Bethel guys. But I've heard stories about those Bethel guys. And I'm going to be in the meeting only to just make sure that the feather thing doesn't happen. And I'll just sit at the back. And you won't even know I'm here. You lead the meeting. I'm just going to sit in the back just to make sure that doesn't happen. And we didn't even know he was in the meeting. But he's sitting at the back. And his big concern was, I don't want those you know, signs and wonders showing up. I've heard the feathers, the angel feather thing. I mean, what a load of baloney, the angel feather thing. You know, That's his mindset. So he's at the back and he's like, cool, some miracles can happen. But God can go healing. But let's not let God go too far. And uh, so he's at the back, and during the worship, he actually came up at the end of the worship, and he's like, he says, I've got to repent, and he's covered in feathers. <laughs> and um, and <laughs> he, says, he says, since the worship started, they've been appearing in front of my face. I, I can't make that up. They've been appearing in front of my face, falling on my, on my lap because he was sitting down. And I'm, I'm covered in feathers, and I don't see feathers anywhere else in the building. There's no feathers anywhere else in the building, just on his seat. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And then uh, another cool thing that happened on this particular, I'm just painting a picture of what kind of meeting it was. It was just an electric meeting. And, um, and there was another lady there, and we pointed at her. We said, there's someone here with metal in your throat, or in, your, in your neck, kind of back here on your neck. You've broken your neck. And you've had a metal plate as a word of knowledge. And she said, yep, that's me. Um, I've got a metal plate in my throat. uh, And, you know, she points to her throat and it's on the back of her neck, fusing her neck together. And um, so we just just released the fire of God on her. And there were some people around her praying. And she starts to freak out because she can feel fire in her neck. And the people around her start freaking out because they can smell the smell of metal burning. Like metal, you know, like, you know, the smell of metal burning. They can smell that. It's a pretty distinct, they can smell that. She starts to freak out even more because she can taste it dripping down her throat. She, it's seeping into her throat and dripping down her throat as it melts out of her body. And she gets full movement back in her neck. She's got no metal back. The metal's completely dissolved into the rest of her body now in her digestive system. And she is, yeah, she, and she's completely healed. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's just a fun thing to see. I, I think, put that on your bucket list if it's not on your bucket list already. And I've told that story in many places and, and seen, as I've told that story, metal burn out of people's bodies in other places. It's been so fun, so fun. So that was what kind of meeting it was. But there was one particular point in the meeting that changed my life more than any of that stuff, even though that stuff was awesome. And it was during the worship while the feathers were falling on our friend at the back. And um, the presence of God, I just felt the presence of God. Now, whether you feel the presence of God or not, he's present. If you don't feel him, it doesn't mean he's far away. It just means you're not feeling him. But I started to feel the presence of God really strong. And to the point where my legs buckled out from underneath me. And I was on the floor doing what Andy called carpet time for a little while just on the front row there with my head kind of uh just 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 about under the seat and this weird thing happened to me which hasn't happened since this is the only time this has happened to me where my eyes were closed but it was as if my eyes opened even though they were closed so I could see everything as if my eyes were open but everything was a different color it was kind of like Lord of the Rings when he puts the ring on and he can see everything, but everything's a different color, if you've seen that scene in the movie. And um, and so I'm looking around the room and I can literally, my eyes are closed, but I can literally see everything kind of in a spirit format. I, I know that sounds weird, but that's just how it was. And I'm looking around and I can see people worshiping. I can see the band. I can see the different chairs. I can see the back door. And I look at the back door and all of a sudden, the back door flings open and this happy guy skips into the room, and I'm like, "Man, this guy is full of life! Like, this is this is joy on steroids." And he skips in, and he's just like, like the freest person you've ever seen in your life. He just skips in, and he just he's like, "Woohoo!" And he skips up to the front. He sits on the seat next to me, and then he looked at me and i noticed that i was looking at jesus and i he didn't say anything to me he just looked at me he sat on the seat i'm on the floor he just looked at me and you should see his eyes like it is like the niagara falls of love are coming out of every pore of his face at the same it's like an explosion of life and love coming out of every facet of his face every millimeter is holding within it a nuclear explosion of love. And it's just this, it's like pure life. And the I noticed that the, the wrinkles in the corner of his eyes were deeper than most people's. It was like the Grand Canyon here. It was like he had been spending eternity just smiling and laughing. His face was so flooded with joy and so flooded with delight. And he looked so delighted to be with me. It was like, it was like, ah, oh, I can't even describe the look. It was like, he didn't even say anything, but it was like, the joy on his face to be with me was humbling and empowering to the maximum degree on both levels. And then he skipped off. And I was like, wow. One look of that face. The Bible says that we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. We see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And, I, and, and it also says, we behold his glory as in a mirror and are transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'll tell you what, I saw the smile on his face and it put a smile on my face. I saw the strength and the life coming from his face and it caused strength and life to start to come from my face something changed on the inside of me that day when I saw his face and I saw the delight in his eyes to be with me. And I realized that this is true. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I realized that this is not true. Your joy is your strength. That's not true. What is true is his joy is your strength. The fact that you are his happy place. The fact that, you know, Andy talked about Jesus' secret place in the Garden of Gethsemane, but you are his now secret place. You are his preferred space. You are his most happy spot. You are his favorite place to be. The fact that he doesn't just love you, but he loves to be with you. The fact that you are his absolute delight. You are your father's happy thought. The fact that the smile is on His face because of you, that makes you feel invincible and makes you feel strong and makes you feel victorious. And that brings you into a reality of life that you can't experience without seeing His face. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, Jesus is the happiest guy in in the whole universe. The Bible says that He's anointed with the oil of joy more than all of His companions. In other words, if you were in Israel at the time or anywhere in the world at the time, and you were, you were wondering, hey, who is this Jesus guy? Because we don't have Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, or even emails, or even photographs. We don't even have photographs. So who is this Jesus guy? And you'd would, you would probably someone would say to you, just look for the happiest guy that skips the most. Just look for the guy with the biggest smile on his face. And when you see him, that'll probably be Jesus. He'll be the happiest amongst all of the people he's with. And the Bible says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It also says you've been created in the image of God. So for you to be you means you have a big smile on your face most of the time. It means you live in an unshakable, indestructible joy that comes from an encounter with his face, an encounter with his love, an encounter with realizing that, oh my gosh, God, what an honor to be your great delight. God wants to release the thunderings and the delightenings of heaven. You are delighted in. He really, really, really likes your presence. I'm hungry for the presence of God. Man, I want more. I want to experience more. I want to know Him deeper. I want to understand him more. I, man, I'm so, I've done things to communicate my hunger towards the Lord. I've done things to, to, to communicate to God, God, I'm hungry for more of you. I've done things like I've fasted and I've, I've prayed and I've, I've traveled the world and I've gone to different conferences and maybe you're at this conference right now because of your hunger for more. And I've done things to say, God, yes, I say yes to more. God, I'm communicating to you that I want more. And when I say I want more, I don't want you to give me more because you've already given everything. But God, increase my capacity like the painting out the back. Give, increase my capacity to pull in what you've made available. I want more. And then I, and then I hear him say, I want you more. I say, God, I want, I want you. I want you more, man. God, I'm hungry for your presence. I'm hungry for yours more, Matt. I'm hungrier for you, Matt, than you are for me. I love you more than you love me. I want you more than you want me. I refuse separation from you more than you refuse separation from me. He says to me, Matt, I don't believe in separation. I believe that separation is an illusion. I will never be separate from you because I can't stand it. You you are my favorite place to be. I, I I want to engage with you more, Matt. I'm hungry for more of your presence. He said, Matt, you fasted a few days. You've gone to a few conferences. You've traveled a few different countries. You've, you've pursued me in this way and that way and the other way. You've centered your life around a pursuit of me, and that's awesome, and I love it, and thank you. But, you know, I went to the cross. I gave my whole life to have you. And if the value of the thing is defined by how much someone is willing to pay for the thing, then this is true. You you are worth more to God than even God is to himself. Now, I didn't say that. The cross says that. Which means he would rather die than live without you. If he had the option of death or stay alive but separate from you, he chooses death every day. Because... Man, you're his favorite place. And oh my gosh, to be with you puts a smile on his face. And it doesn't matter, by the way. He's delighted to be with you in your triumphs and your tragedies. Now, he's not delighted in your tragedies, but it's his great honor and delight to be with you in them as you're going through them. And he wants to be with you when you're in that place of, man, I just want to celebrate. He's there to celebrate with you. He's proud of you from the beginning to the end. Jesus started his whole ministry, and we've heard this already at this, this weekend. Behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, Jesus engaged and, and, and lived his entire ministry from the pleasure of his father. He knew that he, knew that he was the delight of his dad. He he lived with a consciousness of that smile. He lived, you know, I saw it for a moment and it's etched into my into my consciousness right now. That I can forever look at that face and remember that moment where I saw the joy of the Lord and it's made me strong. Jesus lived 24-7 with that face etched as well. He lived from the delight of his father. He lived from the strength of someone else. Ah, oh, so good. Every day. Um, Is that all right? You guys okay? Cool, cool. Um, I'll I'll drink to that. (laughs) The more you interact with happiness, the more happy you become, by the way. The more you interact with joy, the more joyful you become. The more you see a smile, the more you'll have a smile. You can often tell how much someone has beheld the smile of God by how deep the wrinkles are in their own face. Because whatever you behold, you'll become. And the whole world is waiting to see a happy church. A church anointed with the oil of joy more than the world. And we see that as we engage with the face of God and agree and learn to acknowledge God. I surrender all of my own... Self judgments, and I let your smile judge me. I let the smile that you have on the cross judge me. The joy set before you, you endured the cross. I let that smile, that delight on your face, God. That is my judge. I've written myself off, but for some reason, I am your delight. And so I surrender my own opinion of myself and just say yes to the smile on your face. That's your final verdict. Here I am, judged by God with a big fat smile. Oh. Here we go, John 17. I love this. We're going to flick into John 17. And, and you know, I know that for Andy's sake, you've brought your paper Bibles. and so feel free to just rustle some pages for me. We're going to go John 17, and this is pretty awesome, John 17. This is the end of, I think, a five chapter conversation. Um, starting in John 13, ending at the beginning of John 18. And uh, this is, I think, one-fifth, possibly, of the book of John, or slightly more than that, which tells you it's a really important conversation to take note of. I mean, Jesus, there were a lot of stuff to write about if you wanted to write about the life of Jesus. And John spent one-fifth of his writing, writing about one conversation. I mean, he, he, you know... Apparently, there's not enough space in all the pages of the earth to write down the account of Jesus' life on earth and all the miracles that took place. And yet John said, hey, listen, let's take a whole one-fifth of what I want to leave behind on planet earth to share with the next generation. Let's leave a whole one-fifth of that, this entire portion of scripture, of my letter, of my gospel, of my good news. And let's, and let's have it about one conversation. That is right at the end, just before Jesus goes to Gethsemane, just before Jesus goes to the cross. And it's kind of his final instructions. It's his final conversation. It's his final cordero with his crew. And, uh, and then it ends with his, not his final prayer, but possibly the longest prayer recorded in John 17. And this is an awesome prayer because... Th- This is the prayer at the end. This is like the final kind of cry, the final request. This unearths and reveals and manifests and shows you what the paramount issue of God's heart is, what the primary main focus of God's heart is. This is God praying to himself. This is the prayer that God prays to himself. This is awesome. So just stand up with me. Just hold your hands out like this, and just say, I receive. I receive. Amen. Okay, you can take a seat. Here we go. And I'm just going to read a couple of couple of verses, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but these couple of verses, I think, capture the main thrust of what Jesus is trying to get across, and of God's main emphasis and focus and the paramount issue that's on God's heart concerning humanity, and it's this. In verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us. One, everyone say one. Eight, three, one. That the world may know that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one. Everyone say one. Just as we are one. Everyone say one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Everyone say one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. One. Here's the thing. God doesn't want none of you and all of him. God doesn't want less of you and more of him. God wants, here's what God wants. Catch this. All of you, all of you, without the masks, all of you in all of Him and all of Him in all of you. He wants complete fusion. He wants complete oneness. He wants you to walk in a consciousness of, I am one with my Father. I am one with Jesus. I am one in the Spirit. My Spirit and God's Spirit are one Spirit. You can't tell where one ends and the other begins. I have been made one. God has fused Himself into me. The the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and they said, how do you pray? And Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, which which literally can just be translated like this. Our Dad, who is in the very air we breathe, we stop and become aware of you. We stop and acknowledge the fact that you're in the air we breathe. We stop and acknowledge the fact that you are the life that is in every molecule of oxygen that gives life to every cell in our being. You have flooded every cell, every fiber, every portion every millimeter every space that consists of who we are you have filled all of us we have been made one there is no chance of separation separation is impossible we have been fused together it is a we have become a different substance in other words a new creation we are no longer over here as an old man and God is over here. We have now been made one in Him. We're a new creation. We're a new breed. We're not mere humans anymore. We're Christians. This is amazing. This is incredible. And here's here's the thing, is that God wants to know you. And He wants you to know Him. That's really what I'm trying to say with this whole message. God wants to know you, and He wants you to know Him. And it is His delight to have that take place. There is a difference between knowing information about someone and experientially knowing someone. You have to catch that. Often when we hear the word knowledge, we think of informational knowledge. And I can know about anyone I choose to research. And God knows about every single person on the planet. In fact, God knows about every single person to the point that he's counted the amount of hairs on every person's head. And who gives a rip about that? Some more than others. But honestly, honestly, who has bothered to count? God has bothered bothered to count not just one, but every head on the planet. I mean, that's how much God knows about you. He knows every detail. He knows every thought you've ever thought. He probably knows every thought you'll ever think. He knows everything about you, which does not mean that he knows you. You know that scripture where it says, depart from me? Remember that? Depart from me, not you never knew me. It's depart from me, I never knew you. It's not depart from me, I never knew everything about you. Because he knows everything about you, which doesn't mean that he necessarily knows you. Because to know you requires your involvement. It requires your opening of your heart. It requires your consent. It, it requ- I mean I mean you could go somewhere there and call it a name. There, there is you can know someone without their consent and they call it something. And you get put in prison for that. But when you know someone in covenant, in agreement, in a, in a mutual knowing, you know, I know my wife. <laughs> and it's consensual. That's healthy. But it, but it, takes, it takes two people to agree. And, and here's, here's, here's what the Lord wants. He wants to know you by experience. He doesn't want to just know about you. He wants to experience you. And I love Christmas. I know that's a profound statement. I just want you to think about that for a second. I love Christmas. And, you know, sometimes I look at people when they wear the color red and it just reminds me of Christmas. And then when there's someone, like right over here, there's someone with a red jacket and then a green right behind you. I just think, perfect christmas scene and it just reminds me of christmas and it's funny the things that remind me of christmas when it's nowhere near christmas but i think it's just because i'm so excited about christmas and the reason i'm excited about christmas is because we get to celebrate the birth of jesus which is another way of saying we get to celebrate the incarnation we get to celebrate the day that god became a human The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld His glory. We get to celebrate the day that God actually stepped into the format of humanity and became a human. And I think that is profound. I think the theology of the Incarnation is one of the most profound things to think about that you could ever think about. Because it shows you this. It shows you a God who wants to know, who wants to understand. He doesn't want to just know about humans. He wants to know humanity. It's not okay for God to know. He is not satisfied with knowing from the outside in. He doesn't want to be the God that sits on the sideline and goes, hey, that looks like a fun game you're playing. That's not what kind of God he is. He's the God that wants to get on the field and play the game. He doesn't want to know it from the sideline. He wants to know it from the center of the field on every position on the field. He's the God of the incarnation. He's the God that became man. He's the God that became a baby. Now, God could have come in any way. Jesus could have come as a fully grown 33-year-old and just one week, bam, done. But He came as a baby. Imagine being Mary right now, talking to Jesus in heaven, saying, hey, you remember when I used to change your nappies? And, And then she like elbows, you know, Gabriel... You know, I've changed God's nappies, have you? You know, like she, she changed the nappies of God. Like she taught God to speak, to speak I was about to say English, to speak Hebrew. You know, she, you know, this is amazing. In other words, God actually positioned himself within the limitations of what it means to be a human to experience the fullness of humanity in general. In other words, he knows what it's like to be a human. He knows what it's like to have to learn a language, to have to rely on your mom to change your nappies, to have to look after your brothers, to have to uh, get a job. He understands all the mundaneness of human life. He understands what it's like to taste a horrible meal and then what it's like to taste an amazing meal. He can relate to that because he's experienced it. He understands it. When you have a crap meal and you're like, oh, that was horrible. You can say, Jesus, that was horrible. And Jesus says to you, man, I remember when I had a horrible meal too. (laughs) He can actually relate. You can relate to God. You can know God in that experience because he's experienced it. This is one of the beautiful, beautiful things about God. He will not stay on the sideline. He gets on the field with you. This is what kind of God we have. He's not a distant, pious kind of, you down there. Stay down there with the other peasants. You know, he's, he, he's the king that comes down, which is beautiful. And I love Christmas for that reason. I love that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus, which, and if you dig a little bit deeper, you get to celebrate a God who refuses to stand on the sideline, but has said, I want to know what it's like to be a human. And I want to step into the shoes of humanity and show humanity how to really be human. And Jesus was the most normal human that ever walked the planet. Jesus is both the son of God and the son of man. In other words, he's a perfect representation of what God's like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the word become flesh. He is what God has to say about himself. I love that. But what is even possibly as profound as that, if not even more, depending on the season you're in, is that he's also the son of man. He came to show you exactly what the Father's like, but He also came to show you what you're like, who you are. This is amazing. That Jesus stepped into humanity in general. He has experienced a human life forever God understands and He knows. He doesn't just know about it, He knows it. So that's amazing. What is even more amazing than Christmas for me is Pentecost, I love Pentecost. I think it was the 20th of May this year, Pentecost. And the 20th of May this year, man, I'll tell you what, I, might, I don't know, I might share some of the stories on the 20th of May, but it exploded on the 20th of May for us. Like, we had the most weird, I call it the cryptic Sunday. It was just an explosion of crazy, weird, prophetic signs that has marked our season. And, but I, weird things and awesome things and amazing things and glorious things often happen on Pentecost. And I love Pentecost. I love thinking about Pentecost. I love thinking about the upper room. I love thinking about Acts chapter two. I love thinking about those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And I love, which means exchange their strength. And I love thinking about those 120 people in the upper room and they're praying and they're waiting on the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit came and that wind went through the city to the point that thousands of people followed the wind. So it wasn't a breeze. It wasn't um, a wind that you could miss. It was like, A wind that was so ferocious that people were like, what the hang is going on with this wind? To the point that they followed the wind. Who follows wind? You've never heard of anyone following wind. This wind was so supernatural that people followed it to an upper room. That is awesome. And they come up to this upper room, and they see 120 people baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and hearing their own language, the good news of the gospel in their own language, hearing the glory of God in their own language. And, and the church is born, and boom, it explodes from that room, and incredible. And it doesn't just explode from that room. That same baptism explodes from that room. And here's the thing, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, but that's not where He wants His secret place to be. He's taking the Father and the Spirit, and He's saying, hey, let's move in, not just to humanity in general, because Jesus is already on earth. He's already incarnated. God is already experiencing what it's like to be a human, but He doesn't want us to experience what it's like to be a human. He wants to experience every human. (laughs) Not humanity in general, Every single human being on planet earth, he wants to experience from the inside out. And he does that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and John 17 becomes a reality for you and for him. And you become one with him. You are fused together. Your spirit and his spirit become one spirit. And God's dream is fulfilled. And he steps into the place where now he is living inside of you, wearing your shoes with you. He's experiencing, and Pukka came up with this incredible song, which maybe we can sing it later. Possibly. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cogitate on that. See if you can do it. Um you'll hear that song maybe soon. But he, he stepped into he stepped into and he steps into every human life that says yes. Why? Lots of reasons, but the main reason is he wants to know you. He doesn't want to just know humanity, he wants to know you. And he doesn't want to know you from the sideline. He wants to know you from the center of the field. He wants to know you from the inside out. Outside in is not satisfactory to God. He's an inside out God. He wants to get on the inside and know you from the inside out. This is exciting. Do you know, uh, I had this thing where, um, well, this is, this is, this was, possibly one of the, well, this was definitely one of, if not the worst moment of my life, but where my my youngest brother passed away uh, four years ago. And um, 25 years old, passed away in his sleep. His heart failed in his sleep. He had no previous heart conditions, but he kind of freak died in his sleep. And um, he was following Jesus, amazing young man, um, had dreams to change the world and was... God didn't take his life, but the devil took his life. I don't blame God at all for it. I fully blame the devil, and I don't. I have lots of questions, which I probably won't get answers to, but um, but I have. I will not blame God for that. And so I lost my brother, and uh, he's now currently living in a different place, and um. And super hard for my family, and and we were going through that grieving thing. He passed away in Sydney, and uh. And over the next, over the few days from the day that he passed away for the next few days up until his funeral, we are getting text messages and phone calls and um, emails and FaceTimes. And we were just having tons of people reaching out to us just saying, hey, we're praying for you, um, love you, just want to encourage you, just want to know we're with you, we're thinking about you. Uh, we're having Christians, Buddhists, atheists, it doesn't matter, just everyone's reaching out at this point, just saying, hey, we're just with you guys, we're just sorry for what happened, and, and every single one of those messages is so encouraging, and means so much, but every now and again, someone would send a message, who had gone through the same thing, who had experienced the same tragedy, who had worn the same shoes, who had felt the same stones under their feet, who had experienced, who had walked this road before, who had lost a brother or lost a son prematurely. And when we got a text or a message or a phone call from one of them, it's hard to explain what it's like. It just meant something at a different level. It went to a depth that other people couldn't go, not because they didn't want to go, but because they couldn't because they didn't know. They hadn't experienced what I had experienced, and so I couldn't. Re- I couldn't relate. I, as much as you try, I just you can't relate to me because you haven't experienced this. And then someone who had would text me, and oh man, you know what I'm going through. I can relate to you. I can. There's something about the fact that you've experienced this that means that I can actually share this part of my world with you in a way that I can't share it with anyone else that hasn't experienced this. There's something about connecting with people that understand your life and what you've gone through that causes space for relationship to be possible where it wouldn't be possible if they hadn't experienced what you've experienced. This is one of the reasons why God doesn't want to relate to you from the outside in, but he wants to get on the inside out. He, wa- he wants to get into your life. He wants you to know that He experiences every thought you think when you think it. He experiences your emotions as you feel them. He experiences your steps as you walk them. He experiences your words as you speak them. He experiences your pain as you feel it, as if it was his own pain. He experiences your victories. He He experiences your cup of coffee as you drink it. He experiences that cup of coffee As you drink it, as if he was drinking it. He is living on the inside of you. He understands you. He can relate to you and he can relate to every aspect of your life. I love surfing. I love surfing. I love surfing. Some of you can't relate to it. Siri is just saying hello to me. Be quiet, Siri. I love surfing, and uh, I, there was a moment a little while ago where I was surfing at this, my favorite place to surf, and most of you won't be able to relate to me on this, but it was like a glassy sort of four-foot day, a little bit overhead high, peeling off this, right, this bar, this right-hander, and it was, it was barreling like a tube, and it was... This nice bowly wave. And I'm using surf language on purpose so that if you don't surf, you don't get what I'm talking about. And they were just peeling for maybe 200 meters. And it was 15 minutes from my house. I was surfing these waves with a friend just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is like 15 minutes from my house. It's like world class. This is incredible. I was just having the time of my life. And it was with my friend Sean. And it was just an amazing day, just like the perfect day. And I get home and I'm, I just want to share my joy. I just want to share my joy with people who I'm in a relationship with. So my wife's there. This is the person who I'm closest with above every other person on the planet other than Jesus. And so I'm with my wife and I'm like, babe. She's like, how was it? I'm like, babe, it was so freaking awesome. Oh my gosh, like it was out the, like, you know, that it was just out the back there, just past the bar. I was breaking from about that point and then. It was just these big bottom turns and then poof, like you're getting like probably six or seven snaps on a wave. And it was just like, oh my God, it's got barreled. It got barreled like 10 times. It was amazing. It was so good. And just like, poof, and, you know, and, and she's like, oh, cool. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, honestly, it was, it was a, it, it's like that, you know. And I realized like only a surfer knows the feeling. She doesn't know what it's like to walk on water yet. And, and now she does. This was back when she did, but she's just started surfing. Anyway, so I realized that I actually can't really deeply relate with my wife in this aspect of my life for the reason that she doesn't understand it. She can't get it. She's not experienced it. She doesn't know it. And so then I think, well, you know, I've got to share my joy with someone Andy surfs. Andy's a pretty good surfer. He's been surfing for probably 25 years. And um, and so I ring up Andy. I'm like, Andy, bro, horror, horror bar was just pumping. It's like, And he's like, what was it like, man? I'm like, you were taking off, like, you know, the spot just past the bar. Oh, yeah, I know the spot. And I'm like, man, it was like 200-meter long right-handers, and it was just, and like, bowly. And, and he was like, what well, was it? Bro, how was the bar? How was the shape of the bar? It was a oh, perfect shape. There was a little barrel section in the middle there, and it was breaking up right up into the, oh, it was awesome. And he he's like, oh, man, I love it when he gets that little barrel section. And you're like, yeah, it was like the, the what was the swell direction? And, oh, it was about this kind of swell direction. And and he was like, oh, man, that's the perfect swell direction. For, I can't believe I didn't go, man. Oh, my gosh, if I could have come, man. Oh, well, let's go tomorrow morning and do, you know, we're having this conversation. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I kind of can share my joy with Andy because he kind of gets me. He surfed at that place before. He wasn't surfing on that day, but he surfed at that place. He knows the spot. He knows the feeling of walking on water. He knows the feeling of doing a top turn on a wave and a bottom turn on a wave and getting a barrel. He knows all that stuff. He can relate to me and I can relate to him. And although I'm not as close to Andy as I am to my wife, when it comes to surfing, I can relate to him more than I can relate to my wife because he's experienced it. But then I talked to Sean, who was with me on that day. Bro, it's the next morning now. Bro, how epic was yesterday? Oh man, you know that wave you're on? We're, oh man, that was so cool. Just the spray off the top of that wave, and like he's not relating to me from the outside in it, really. He's he's now. I was with you on the day, watching you on those waves, and you were watching me on the waves. I was yelling out woohoo to you, and you were yelling out woohoo to me. We were we had a shared experience together. We weren't surfing on exactly the same waves, but we were sharing the same day and the same swell and the same sets. And I talked to Sean, I'm like, man, that was so cool. And remember when you like did that thing and I was epic and he's like, oh man, that was the first time I landed one of those. That was cool. And, you know, and so now I'm I'm sharing with Sean, my depth of connection around that aspect of my life is deeper with Sean than it is with Andy or Renee. Because Andy, because he he wasn't just, it's not that, Sean doesn't just surf, he surfed on that day. Okay, so I got got Renee, doesn't get it. She wants to get it, she just doesn't get it. Andy gets it, Sean gets it more, and I'm finding, oh, there's so much joy in connecting with Sean over this. And then here, there's an even deeper place. Because Jesus was inside me. He surfed every wave I surfed from within me. He thought every thought of joy that I thought as I turned every turn that I turned on every wave that I surfed. He did it from within me at the same time as I did it. He felt the feeling in His legs that I felt in my legs. He felt the exhilaration in His heart that I felt in my heart because He's made Himself one with me to the point that He gets me and feels me and knows me. He deeply relates to me. There is not one aspect of my life since my baptism in the Holy Spirit that God hasn't experienced with me, from within me, which means that there is not one aspect of my life that I can't deeply share with God which means that there is somebody that gets me. There's somebody that wants me. There's somebody that desires me. There's there's a place of acceptance that is so deep that He actually gets your every moment. He understands your depression, but He's not depressed. He understands your pain, and He holds your victory in the same hand. He is the God that raised Lazarus from the dead. You got to love that story. You got to love the story of Jesus coming to Lazarus. And this is amazing. He is completely convinced that he is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Isn't that awesome? He's like someone said the dog was sleeping. Well Jesus was like Lazarus is sleeping. Everyone's like, "Bro, bro, he's rigor mortis, man. He's cold and he's gone. He's not sleeping." No, no, he's sleeping. No, he's dead. He's not sleeping. And then he gets to the tomb four days late, well, or on time, whichever perspective you have. He gets to the tomb and he sees all of Lazarus's friends and relatives who are also his friends. He sees them groaning and weeping and wailing and in grief. And the Bible says this, Jesus wept. And then the next verse is he groaned from deep within himself. In other words, he wasn't just a few tears running down his cheek. He was wailing with grief. He was overcome with groanings and deep pain as he saw the pain of the people. He's a God who has chosen to relate to us, who has chosen to experience our world with us without letting it change who He is or the reality that He believes. This is amazing, because you have to understand, Jesus is groaning. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is groaning. He is wailing. He is weeping. He is upset in the context of, I'm about to, lay, to raise Lazarus from the dead. What? Man, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't be crying. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, guys, look, hey, Hey, don't worry. Everything's gonna be cool. Just have some faith, man. Just have some faith. Just just chill out, man. Like this, is, I've told you he's only sleeping. Didn't you hear me? He's only sleeping. Dude, he's dead. No, he's sleeping. I'm about to raise him from the dead. Don't worry. Just just hold on. That would be me. But no, that's not the way God is. God is the God that stands there in the context of in three seconds or two minutes, I'm going to raise Him from the dead. Your, your tears are about to turn into celebration. Your mourning is about to turn into joy. Your ashes are about to be resurrected into beauty. Your day your day of doom is about to turn into a day of delight. You are about to experience the biggest victory of your life. Your, this is about to be the go from the worst day of your life to the best day of your life. And this is going to be so fun to watch. Oh my gosh. I can't hardly hold myself in. This is amazing. In that context, he is bawling his eyes out. He is weeping with those who weep. And then two minutes later, he raises him from the dead. And then he's celebrating with those who celebrate. He's the God who sees the end of the story and never loses sight of that. He's the God that can see around every corner that you can't see around. He's the God that knows the answers to all the questions that Matt has about why his younger brother left the earth early. He knows that when I find the answers to those questions, man, I'm going to have the biggest smile on my face. It's going to be incredible. Everything's going to make sense in the end. Everything, everything is going to make sense in the end. But there are corners that I can't see around that God can see around. He sees the full circle. But He's the God that has made, that has joined Himself to me and you in a way where although He can see the final victory and He knows everything makes sense and He knows really there's maybe no reason to cry or be upset or be depressed or this or that or the other thing. Or He knows that maybe it's just a, a lie that you're believing or this or that or a perspective change away, the depression that you're experiencing, all these things, you don't need to experience them. But He's not the God that just says, hey, just have faith, man. He's the God that comes down to you and says, hey, I'll experience this with you. You don't need to feel alone in this. You're not alone. I'm with you in this. He holds your pain in this hand and he holds the end of your story in this hand and he never loses sight of either. Why does he hold your pain? Even though he knows you don't have to feel that. Is because He wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know that you can relate to Him. In your tragedy and in your triumph. He wants you to know that He wants to know. He wants you to know that He wants to know more than anyone in your life wants to know. And He wants you to know, would you... Would you, would you share your life with me? It's his delight. It's his delight to be with you when you're, when you're winning. It's his, when you win the soccer game. Man, he's like, woohoo! When you become a nurse and you get registered, he's like, he is your biggest celebrator. He's like, oh my God, yes, so proud of my daughter. And he's telling all of his angel friends, hey, Oh, my gosh. Cha-cha. Look. Woo. Oh, this is so good. And then when you're in pain, he's like, hey, man, I'm here. And he hates your pain, but it is, his, it, is it is his delight to be with you. He wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You're not a burden to him. He's just delighted to be with you. And so here's the thing. I, I said I want to release the, the thunderings and the lightnings of heaven. <laughs> here's the thing. I just want you to see the smile on his face. And I want you to know that there are no boundaries that, that he doesn't cross. Or that there, are no, there are no aspects of your life where he says, hey, when you go there, I just stay here. He, he wants you to know, like, when you're doing the dishes, he's excited to be with you. You don't have to just engage with God in the worship session. The dishes is a great place to, work, to connect with God. Your, your boring work meeting could become so exciting if you just realize that God's in you in that meeting. He's feeling that. God knows what it's like to feel bored because he knows what it's like to feel your boredom. But He could change your boredom into extreme excitement if you could acknowledge His presence in your boredom. You know, when you acknowledge His presence, He takes your Lazarus, who's dead, and turns him into a Lazarus that's alive. He takes your death and turns it into resurrection. There's something about the presence of Jesus, and here's what I just want to say, is that He wants you. You are wanted. He gave His whole life to have you. And he doesn't want, and I want to just, uh, I, I don't know if I'm capturing this really thoroughly enough, but he wants to break down all the different dividing walls. There is no kind of dualism. There's no kind of sacred and secular. There's no kind of, there's sacred holy things that we do that God likes to be a part of. And then there's other things we do like surfing that he's like, oh, you know, that's kind of less than. You know, i just, God loves surfing. Because I love surfing. That's why he loves surfing. It's the same way I love Barbie dolls. You're like, what? I know you're growing your hair long, but hey, what's going on? Like, Now, would I naturally choose to, to enjoy playing with Barbie dolls? No way. If it was up to me, mate, that's the last toy I'd pick. But I happen to have three daughters, and it's my joy to connect with my daughter's. And I don't really like Barbie dolls, but I love playing of my daughters and they love playing of Barbie dolls. So I have grown to like playing of Barbie dolls because it's an excuse for me to be in my daughter's world. Maybe God wouldn't have picked surfing, although I think he probably did. Maybe God wouldn't have picked surfing naturally, but his son picked surfing. And so he loves surfing. He loves being with me when I surf. There's, there's no place that God, God's not like, hey, this is, this is really awesome 10 out of 10 when you're doing this, and this is kind of, I'll, I'll tolerate you doing this. Okay, yeah, you can go for a surf. He's like, no, no, I'm stoked to come for a surf with you. What about when you go to the movies? Oh, you know, that's not the most holy thing to do. Man, it is kind of. Because the Holy Spirit comes with you, which makes it holy. Whatever you touch becomes holy. If you do it with Him, you bring holy ground. You are the holy ground. You're not, it's not the ground you're standing on that's holy. You are the holy ground. Everywhere you go, you make that place holy if you can acknowledge His presence in that place. Your whole life is holy. Your whole life is set apart, not because you set it apart, but because He set it apart. It's because He chose you. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. Not because God was like, oh, I suppose because I wrote it in my book. I suppose I would have chose choose these guys. Oh, I'm sort of bound to choose them now. All right, let's, let's do it then. That's not what he's like. He's, he's like he chose you from his joy and delight. Anyway, pretty cool if you ask me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's what I want to do is I just want to pray for you. And um, maybe Pooks, can you jump on the guitar? Or could you play the guitar? Pooks is a bit of a rock star, so you never know, given him those kind of instructions, he might just start jumping on that thing. And it's not his. So... <laughs> Just um, just close your eyes. I think tonight I'm just going to tell a whole bunch of stories, and, and we're going to we're going to release some miraculous and some and just go after some stuff like that tonight. But to this morning, honestly, like this is what God wants. This is what God wants. I find talking about the miracles and stuff that I find that sometimes more fun. And I find people kind of want that. But this, what I've shared now, is what God wants. More than the miracles. He, he wants to know you. He wants to know you until the smile on your face looks like the smile on his face. He wants you to, he wants to transform you into his image. He wants you to see his face. He wants to Nebraska you. He wants to. He wants to come and, and, and come face to face with you and, and communicate to you, man, I like being with you. Man, I like being with you. Man, you're not just accepted. You are delighted in that. You know, the Bible says that at His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And then it says that we've been raised up in Christ, seated at the right hand of God. You are the pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God. Whose pleasure? You're His pleasure forevermore. Man, He's chosen you for all of eternity. Some of you are like, I don't even like hanging out with me. Well, you know, God likes hanging out with you. And the more you realize how much He likes hanging out with you, the more you'll start to like hanging out with you. Some of you have been rejected by others, and it's caused you and taught you to learn to reject yourself And the answer for that is if you could just see His face and realize that, man, you are wanted by the most important person in the whole universe. There is no one more important than Him. And He wants you. This is not just an idea. This is true. This is true. This will change the world. Some people ask me, like, why why do you always laugh? Why are you so happy? Someone asked me before, like, why are, you, why are you laughing? <laughs> I have my phone in front of me, and I hadn't even read the text message that I was had my phone out for. I'm just laughing because of Jesus. I'm just happy because of Jesus. Do we need another reason? Like We're just happy because of Jesus. I'm just happy because Jesus is here. I'm happy because Jesus is happy. I'm happy because the fact that Jesus is happy, the reason He's happy is because of me. I mean, man, I feel pretty special. I feel pretty amazing. And it's not pride, it's humility to accept. Oh my gosh. I'm delighted in, which makes me feel delightful. I feel delightful. I feel delightful because He is so full of delight in me. Man, you can put a smile on your face. You can look at His face right now and you can see the smile. And you can let that smile translate into your smile. You can let his face change your face. (laughs) You can let his heart change your heart. You can let his joy fill you with joy. Here's what I want to ask you right now while your eyes are closed. If you have been in that place of man, I've just not been not been really loving life. I haven't felt joy then I just want to ask you to, in whatever way you want to, to just share that with God right now. To just offer that to Him and just say, hey, I've been feeling this in the acknowledgement that He knows what that feels like. He's experienced it with you. He knows what it feels like. He might be the only one that knows what it feels like. He might even be the only one, including you, That knows what it feels like. He might even get it more than you get it. I just want you just to give that to him right now and just say, "Hey, I just want to share this with you. I simply just want to share this with you. I don't want to feel this on my own. I want to share this with you. I want to share this with you. And I want you to look at his face." to see the smile. He acknowledges your pain. But even in your pain, there's still a smile on His face. And the reason is because He loves to be with you. He loves to be with you. He just loves to be with you. He loves to be with you in whatever condition you're in right now. He loves to be with you. He loves to loves to be with you. Oh man, he loves to be with you. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. Those that wait on the Lord shall exchange their strength with him. Just give him what's in your heart and let him give you what's in his in your heart just pray this prayer just say God show me a smile show me your delight 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 God show me your delight show me your delight show me your face Show me the way you see me. <laughs> oh Jesus. Pux is just gonna sing the song over you to finish. And I just want you to to just soak in his presence. I want you to soak in His presence. I want you to take a moment and let your heart expect to see His face. Don't let this just be another conference meeting. Let it be a moment where you actually see His face. And if you look, you'll see.
0: Spoken and you have never forsaken me. Union can never be broken, it's a promise that you have spoken and you have never forsaken me. Union can never be broken, it's a promise that you have spoken and you have never forsaken me union can never be broken it's the promise that you have spoken and you have never forsaken me
1: you've never
0: forsaken me forsaken me because you've walked the road I've walked you felt the stones on your feet and you're closer than I thought
1: and you're here if you feel like singing along me. feel free to stand up and sing along as book singing I'm just gonna go around and just lay hands on people for a few minutes and I just want you to either soak or sing along to this, but Pucks is going to keep singing some powerful truth in
0: this. Because you've walked the road I've walked And you've felt the stones on your feet You're closer than I thought But you're here beside me You've walked the road I've walked You felt the stones on your feet. You're closer than I thought. You're right here beside me. You walked the road I've walked, and you felt the stones on your feet. And you're closer than I thought. You're right here beside me. You walked the road I've walked out the stones on your feet. You're closer than I thought. You are here.